Indigenous Rights Radio, because knowledge is power. International Transgender Day of Visibility is an annual event that takes place on March 31st to celebrate transgender people and to raise awareness of the discrimination that they face. In this podcast, cultural survival intern Camilla Linshow interviews Levi Sorum, who tells us more about being transgender and indigenous. Hi Levi, thank you so much for joining me uh, for this interview today uh, in relation to the International Transgender Day of Visibility that's coming up here on March 31st. Um, today we're going to talk, to talk about your experience of being transgender and Sami. Sami being a, a indigenous peoples residing in Norway, what we now call Norway, Sweden, Finland and Russia. Um, and I want to say that I and the rest of Cultural Survival are really excited to have you here uh, to speak to you and for you to share your story with us. And we really want to, to show our gratitude uh, to you for coming on here. That's uh, really nice. Thank you for having me. Thank you. Um, firstly, I wanted to ask if you will share a bit about who you are, your story, how you grew up, where you grew up and, and how you identify. Uh, yeah. Um... So I have just have to summarize it a little yeah. bit. Yeah. Uh, so my name is Levi. Uh, mm. I am a 27-year-old man. I am a civil engineer uh, mm-hmm. in the field of computer science. Uh, and I work as an IT consultant. I live in Norway, uh, more specifically a small town named Drammen, uh, which is about 40 kilometers southeast of Oslo, uh, which is mm-hmm. the capital of Norway. Um, and I'm also originally from uh, the far northern, northeastern part of mm-hmm. Norway, um, from a very small place named Tana, which has, um, last time I checked, there was just a little bit over 3,000 people wow. living there. It's really small and remote. Um, mm. We also, um, Tana is the Norwegian name for it. Uh, in Sami, we call it uh, Diano. Mm. Uh, and it, it is right next to the Finnish border and about two, two and a half hour drive from the Russian border. So it's pretty far up there. Yeah. yeah. And yes, I am Sami. Uh, and you summarized it quite well. Uh, the area you refer to, um, which is in northern parts of uh, Norway, Sweden, Finland, and just a little bit of Russia, uh, we call it uh, Sápmi, which mm-hmm. is generally, you know, the Sami uh, land, if you were to translate it, I suppose. Yeah. Um, I speak a language called Northern Sami, which is uh, the most prominent of the Sami languages. Uh, we have quite a few of them, but uh, most of them are uh, very endangered, or all of mm-hmm. them, I suppose, but Northern Sami is the one that has the most speakers. Um, I have lived uh, most of my life in uh, Sápmi, uh, with uh, a few years of exceptions. Um, yeah. So, And I haven't lived here in Drammen for very long, uh, mm-hmm. about six months' time. 
and I, I feel a little bit out of place uh, right. sometimes um, because the culture is quite different. Mm -hmm. uh, it's, um, well, I grew up very exposed to Sami culture. Um, yeah. When I was a child, my dad had uh, reindeer. So uh, for those who aren't familiar, um, a big part of uh, Sami culture, at least in some areas, is uh, reindeer herding. Mm. Um, perfect. Thank you for sharing, Levi. Um, and I also want to ask you if you could share a bit about your experience of growing up as Sami. You touched a little bit on it, but also sort of in relation to you sort of identifying, become like starting to identify more as a man, going into transition um, when you were younger. I don't know when exactly it started for you, but I assume that it was when you were younger. And I was curious if, if there was any particular challenges that you faced um, in relation to that. Yeah, um, I would say growing up, um, there weren't... I didn't have any challenges in the sense of not fitting in to mm -hmm. my designated gender role. Um, I'm a relatively masculine uh, person. Uh, and I think because of that, I never really had any difficulties with Sami culture. Um, I was born into the female gender role, but mm -hmm. in Sami culture, um, even the female gender role is quite masculine compared to western western standards right how I mean, so yeah sorry can you share a bit about why that is yeah yeah uh, of course um so well there is some degree of expectation that the women tend to the home more than mm. men but they are also supposed to be self-sufficient and uh, do stuff like you know light fires go fishing and drive the snowmobile and uh, and you know be be able to fix things yeah uh, so i wouldn't say that the sami gender role the sami female gender role is that feminine i never really had any issues with it it was more like whatever i'm just me you know and i just yeah. do whatever um also my parents was, were very accommodating. Mm -hmm. I mean, they have told me later that they noticed that I was not like, I, I didn't act like a girl at all, uh, but they didn't really think much of it. Um, mm -hmm. If I wanted to have like uh, action man dolls and remote control cars, that's what they would get me for Christmas. They didn't really think anything of it. So. I didn't really have any restrictions in that regard. Um, so that wasn't exactly a challenge. I think my biggest issue in Sami culture as a trans person is um, that in Sami culture, everything that is slightly taboo, mm. we just don't talk about it. It's okay. kept quiet. Um, so the, I didn't really have any role models that mm. I felt were like me. Um, I didn't know any queer people growing up because everyone kept quiet about it. I mean, to this day, I don't know any Sami transgender men that are older than me. Okay, so you're actually turning into the, the role model, so to say, for for younger people because I you're... Mean, I, I can't talk on behalf of younger no, people. No. I mean, 
if I can be that, uh, that that would be great because that's something I felt I was missing myself. Mm. Um, but I'm also not a very visible mm. transgender person. I kind of blend into the to the background a little bit. Right. So um, yeah, I mean, if I can do that, that's just a bonus. Uh, so um, yeah, uh, I mean. I didn't really learn about transgender people until quite late in life um, right. because um, the first time I heard about transgender people, um, I think it was maybe early adolescence, mm -hmm. uh, but that was, first of all, it was mostly trans women and okay. it was mostly Western yeah. trans women and mm. I couldn't relate to that at all. So it, it became something that was far away and didn't really exist in my world uh, yeah. so i i didn't really knew that people like me could, could be transgender until uh early adulthood actually yeah. how uh, come how why did you start realizing then um well um i always well knew in a sense that that i was transgender mm. but not i knew that's something was wrong uh, yeah. or i wouldn't say wrong but my body felt wrong yeah. uh, it was more of a mind-body connection mm. and no one had ever told me what that what that could mean um i, I went to i mean when i was a child i told uh this very specific adult person i'm not going to mention them by name but when I told them how I was feeling, uh, they told me, you might feel better if you lose weight. So I didn't really have the, mm -hmm. the, the guidance to know what those feelings were until yeah. quite late. Um, and there were actually two pieces of key information that I didn't have for a long time. Um, the first was that I didn't know Sami people could be transgender. Mm -hmm. uh, that was just, you know, a Western uh, thing. Mm -hmm. but, um, I think in my teenage years, I had um, I saw a Facebook post, which was an uh, earlier classmate of mine from elementary school, who um, we were the same age and both went to the same uh, Sami school, and they came out on Facebook as transgender and. I didn't realize it then, um, but that was important to me in the sense that mm -hmm. transgender people weren't just this mythical creature existing far away. Uh, mm -hmm. They were in my home too, so to speak. Um, yeah. uh, but this person is quite different from me. Um, mm -hmm. They came out as non-binary and they're a bit more feminine than mm -hmm. I am. Uh, so I didn't exactly relate to them. Uh, in that I thought I could be transgender, but it kind of opened my eyes that um, trans people exist in the Sami community as well. Yeah. Um, so the other thing I had to learn was that transgender men existed. Uh, mm. And I didn't learn that until I was maybe 19 or 20. Um, okay, so actually I, not that long ago. No, it's not. I, I was an adult before I learned that. Mm -hmm. And even then, I didn't quite connect the dots. Uh, I, I learned it through um, 
it was a TV show or something. I don't remember exactly what, but there were this, these characters that actually were, they were kind of tomboyish and basically looked like girls in voice clothing and use e pronouns, but um, I couldn't exactly relate to them either. But I learned that transgender people exist mm. the other way, so to speak, than just yeah. trans women. And these two things uh, were important for me to learn because yeah. uh, I, uh, well, uh, it helped me realize later than, that I was transgender um, yeah. in my early 20s. Um, they were quite difficult because I had a lot of issues with my body uh, in the sense that it was mentally painful to have the body that I had. Um, I can't exactly explain it more specifically than that, but no. um, I, I tried to Google these feelings. Um, mm -hmm and try to describe them as best as I could to Google. And I remember one of the first uh, search, uh, you know, the hits were, yeah. these are the signs that you might be transgender. <laughs> and I was yeah. like, uh, what is this? <laughs> I, I didn't really, um, I didn't really internalize that. I no. just kind of brushed it off and was like, this like is- Like the typical checklist, <laughs> yeah. What was that? The typical sort of checklist that, you know, you Google of like, tell me the yeah. <laughs> sort of tell me, tell me sort of how I can, where I fit in or how much or how many percent do I relate to X, Y and Z. Yeah. yeah. Well, uh, even after reading that, mm -hmm. I still didn't think I was transgender. Uh, I kind of just brushed it off as, uh, as something else. And I was kind of like, why is Google showing me these search results? Mm -hmm. And I mean, you kind of said earlier that, that, you know, you're, you're Levy. So it's kind of like, you're not one or the other, you're just you. So it, you know, maybe, uh, it also makes me think that, you know, being one or the other is really quite unique. It's a unique experience to each one of each one individual. So there's no sort of checklist where everyone kind of falls under or like similarly falls under. Yeah, I believe you're very right there. And um, the way we learn about ourselves, I think mm -hmm. I think we do that by relating to others. Mm -hmm. Being unable to relate completely makes it difficult to, um, to see yourself uh, within certain labels. Uh, exactly. And that's why, you know, you know, with this visibility day for transgender coming up, that's sort of the whole purpose of it, to share individual stories, even though they're not one and the same, it gives you, it gives you relatability that, for example, you didn't have very much of when you, when you were younger. Um, I noticed one thing that you said with, um, and if you're comfortable speaking about it, being these taboo topics of, of Sami culture, or within Sami culture, do you have an idea of, of why specifically those topics are kept silent or why why people may be uncomfortable speaking about it or not sharing their emotions? You know, I'm thinking about, you know, sort of this collective trauma uh, experienced by being Sami. I don't know if there's a connection. Um, um, honestly, I, I can't really say no. um, because, I mean, uh, I feel like that sort of culture applies more to the generations before me. Right. Um, 
they have probably lived through trauma that I haven't had to live through. Mm -hmm. uh, but then again, they don't talk very much about it. So I couldn't say either way. Okay. Um, I think I'm not sure, honestly. No. I wish I knew. Uh, yeah. That's okay. Um, I'm also curious uh, to sort of know or dive a little bit into how you relate to sort of how do you relate language to identity um, and sort of take, I'm here like sort of taking into consideration an Instagram live that I saw of two other queer identifying uh, Sami individuals uh, and that was kind of the first time I encountered this topic and I found it really interesting because they were talking about how um, within the uh, last couple of years there's been this push to start translating the rainbow dictionary uh, into Sami languages. You have many, but at least they were mentioning the three big ones um, and how that will mean that you'll have words in your mother tongue to sort of express your identity or how, how you feel and how you view yourself. And they really emotionally showed and focused a lot of on how big that impact uh, was on them and how much it meant to them that they could actually move away from using the language of the colonizers. You're saying that, oh, this is a very sort of American way of phrasing it. This is not how we view it. Like, and I don't think perhaps many people think about how you, in order to speak about yourself, having to use a language that you don't really sort of connect with, perhaps. Um, so I was wondering if if sort of you being forced or you only having this language available to you to sort of express your identity or sort of express how you want to be seen impacted you in realizing and sort of, let's say, embracing your identity? Well, um, well, one consequence that uh, the Norwegian state or uh, also, you know, the Swedish and Finnish mm -hmm etc. But in my case, the Norwegian state has done their best uh, previously to erase the Sami language and nearly succeeded. Um, a result of that is that many of us feel like we are missing important parts of ourselves that are just taken away from us, language being one of them. Um, and I think um, if we had um, queer vocabulary in Sami when I grew up, I wouldn't think of being queer as this Western thing. No. It would be more a part of my own culture. Um, and I don't know, using a different language to describe something, mm -hmm. I mean, it makes it more foreign. Mm -hmm. uh, it, like you said, it makes it more difficult to relate to it. Um, I know personally that, uh, well, if uh, if I had the vocabulary um, back in the days when I was coming out of the closet, mm -hmm. it would be much easier to come out to my dad um, because my entire life we have only spoken Sami to each other. And okay. we both know how to speak Norwegian fluently. Mm -hmm. We can't speak Norwegian to each other. There's this uh, barrier there. We just can't do it. So um, when I, I came out of the closet, I had to do so over text because we text in Norwegian. 
okay. because it's really bad at that writing some so that was actually the only way that you could describe yeah. this transition yeah that's the only way i knew how to come out to my dad um so i kind of wish i could do it in person um mm -hmm. but i don't really know how i, I would phrase that honestly, in, because, in we, the language. because we don't have the vocabulary um so yeah i think i think it's important to to get that mm -hmm. uh, to translate those words um, i think it's important not just for me but for a lot of other people as well who who don't have the words to describe their own identity in yeah. their own language yeah looking back on that scenario did that make you feel very you know you've touched a little bit on it previously here but did that make you feel very alien that you would have to result in in a text or communication about something so deep and important to you when you're when you're normally you know used to conversing with your father you know face to face that you would have to sort of resort to this situation in order to explain something i felt a little bad because mm -hmm. i felt like for those kinds of big pieces of information i owe it to him to say it face to face mm. um, so I don't know, I felt a little bit like a coward because I just sent off a text. Uh, I mean, nothing bad happened and we have talked about it face to face later. Um, mm -hmm. So, you know, it went okay, but right then and there in the moment, it was, it didn't feel very good to do it like that. I wish I could have um, told him in person. Yeah. And sort of with this, uh, with this, and these experiences as a backdrop. Um, will you share your thoughts on, you've touched also a li little bit on it, but the gender concepts in Sami culture versus the, the gender concepts that are predominant in, in Western culture and, and how they differ and in yep. what ways they differ? Um, so like I said before, um both of the Sami gender roles are generally more masculine uh, mm. than the Western gender roles. So I never really had any difficulties uh, being expected to live in the female gender role. Um, I think it's been a bigger challenge after transitioning to live up to the Sami male gender role. Right. Because um, while I'm generally masculine by Western standards, um, I don't really feel like I'm masculine enough by Sami standards. Um, that bar is suddenly much higher. Um, okay. Also, I uh, I practice something called Dwechi, uh, which is uh, it's generally Sami arts and crafts. Uh, okay. It's um, it has a big place in Sami culture, um, and the way Dwechi is practiced is is kind of divided by gender. Um, because men are expected to practice what is called hard uh, duetchi, which are woodwork and working with horns and bones and mm -hmm. hard materials, while women are um, expected to practice soft duetchi, which are uh, knitting and weaving and sewing and leatherworking. And um, I do a little bit of both, um, but I mostly practice soft duetchi because I, I live in a one-bedroom apartment, mm -hmm. I mean, a one-room apartment. I don't have a separate bedroom. 
So um, it's a small apartment. I don't really have room for all the equipment I would need for practicing hard duetchi. Yeah. So doing soft duetchi is just easier. And, uh, and it's an important way for me to practice my own culture. Um, yeah. But In I do... day-to-day life, like away yeah. from the North. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, while I'm, if I have a couple of hours free time at home, I, uh, I work on some projects. Uh, which is usually a relaxing activity. Um, yeah, I do feel some stigma um, practicing what is generally considered women's work. Um, right. But sometimes, I mean, at the same time, um, doing it, practicing duetchi is such an important part of my culture that I do it anyway. Yeah. But I'm not very open about that um, to people I don't know because I'm, I'm a little scared of, you know, like I said, not being masculine enough uh, okay. for the Sami male gender role. Mm. So, uh, yeah, there are a few difficulties there. Yeah. Do you feel, uh, would you be comfortable if I asked you to share a little bit about what those standards are or, or why you feel like they sort of that they are a certain standard that you must reach or why you feel like you're not there yet or why you will not be there? Yeah, so, um, well, there's uh, generally in all of Satme this expectation that you're supposed to be self-sufficient and right. you're supposed to be able to fix things and, mm -hmm. uh, you know, whatever it is, you have to be able to handle it. Mm -hmm. um, that can involve... Um, Everything from hard physical labor to being able to fix vehicles. So, uh, personally, I don't know anything about anything with an engine at all. Yeah. Uh, I'm also, uh, I, I'm handy by Western standards, but mm -hmm. maybe not so much by Sami standards. And um, I think that's where I feel it the most, this mm -hmm. expectation that as a man, you're supposed to be able to do all of these things. Um, but I never really learned how to do them. Um, I don't think this is a unique feeling for me. Uh, I think a lot of people in general, regardless of being queer or not, feel mm -hmm. this. Um, but I think what makes it a little different for me is that I wasn't given the male gender role. I had to claim it. Um, yeah. So I, maybe I feel a bit, little bit scared of losing it, uh, if that makes sense. <laughs> yeah, yeah, of course, of course. Um, and then, because uh, also you mentioned that obviously these, these uh, role models weren't necessarily very present or very sort of obvious to you when you were younger. And uh, so I wanted to talk a little bit about community building and community feeling in, in, from the perspective of, of the Sami queer community. Um, and I wanted to ask like how visible you felt like the Sami queer community was when you were younger, not necessarily sort of the portrayal of, of the fact that you can be transgender or a transgender man, um, but also like compared to how visible that it may be now, has it has it increased in its visibility? What type of sort of um, progression do you see? It has definitely increased since I was a child. Um, mm -hmm. I think 
the internet and social media has been a big help. Um, we are generally a very small uh, demographic, and mm. uh, you know, being an intersection of two small demographics, uh, it makes it limited how many people uh, are both queer and Sami. When I was little, I didn't really feel like the queer Sami community was visible at all. Uh, it didn't really exist. Um, then I, in my teenage years, I learned of a couple of people. Um, I knew of this one uh, person who uh, came out as gay. And mm -hmm. this other person I told you about who came mm -hmm. out on Facebook. Um, but I didn't really meet a community of queer Sami people until I joined uh, Garmadas, which mm -hmm. is um, which is a volunteer organization for queer Sami people. And uh, I, I only learned about them uh, because I attended Sami Pride by accident uh, yeah. one year. Um, well, I was living in Trondheim yeah. uh, in 2019. Um, during Pride, uh, they had this uh, Sami Pride as a part of it. Uh, uh -huh. And suddenly while celebrating, I saw all this Sami people and I was like, where have you been all my life? <laughs> uh, suddenly it was this whole group of people um, and I learned about Garmades and I just realized I have to, I have to meet more queer Sami people. Mm -hmm. uh, it is something that, that I feel the need to do, um, to feel a sense of belonging. Yeah. How was that to, to, to obviously partake in, in pride, but then all of a sudden seeing like as you know a group of, of sami approaching with their own sort of community and and sort of pride expression you not really knowing that that existed until then and there it was it felt really good to see that uh just you know seeing that we exist you know it's i'm not alone uh because you know, being, uh, like I said, being an intersection of two small mm -hmm. parties, uh, I think it's easy to feel alone um, because you don't meet a lot of people who have the same uh, minority background yeah. as you do. Um, so that it definitely felt good. And also seeing different gender expressions in mm -hmm. Sami. Um, I have been more exposed to people between genders uh, who express that. Um, through Sami clothing and I haven't I hadn't seen that before and it felt nice you know seeing a variety of people within my own culture so that it also can express themselves like visually you mentioning clothing clothing and not just obviously the language perhaps is not quite there yet but it's it's progressing so there's all these ways coming up that you can sort of reclaim your identity in your own within your own culture, within your own language. Yeah, I mean, I'm not non-binary myself, um, no. but I have seen more and more non-binary Sami people, mm -hmm. and I have seen them finding ways to express themselves within Sami uh, cultural expression right. uh, that is also between genders. And yeah. it makes me really happy to see that um, in, in Sápmi, we have um, a piece of clothing called Gakti. Mm. Uh, it's more of this, um, um, I don't know how to explain it. 
it's it's this traditional piece of clothing. Uh, mm-hmm. It's very divided by gender. Um, the female version looks a little bit more like a dress than the male mm-hmm. version. Um, and it also has all these different pieces and all of these accessories that are gendered. Um, and recently, um, uh, some of the people in Garmeres, uh, they uh, held this um, non-binary gakti making course. And wow. it just Amazing. made me really happy because um, people who are non-binary could attend and they could sew their own gakti, which mixed all of these different gender aspects. Um, so yeah, it, it made me really happy. Even if I didn't feel the need to do that myself, mm-hmm. seeing other others do that, it, um, it made me feel really good. That must have been really beautiful. Yeah, yeah, yeah it was. Wow. Um, so now it seems that the, the Sami queer community is quite present in your life. You're, you're mentioning Gamerish. I know or read that you're on the board as well. Um, so this community is a, is a bigger part of your life, it seems now. Um, what does that mean to you? What does that mean that all of a sudden, you know, you find yourself surrounded by not just the Sami culture and the Sami community, but also the queer Sami community. It's um, it's been very important to me to have that space. Mm-hmm. Uh, being a double minority and everything, it's really diff- difficult to find a community in which you belong because um, in the Sami community in general, um, I often feel like I'm too queer. Uh, well, in the queer community, I often feel like I'm too Sami. And the queer community is just like society in general. There is a minor- um, majority and mm-hmm. there are minorities. And um, right. you can meet stigma in the queer community as well for being a minority. Um, so <laughs> sometimes, you know, I just <laughs> want to be gay without facing racism, <laughs> if that's yeah. uh, the case. So, yeah, of course. It's not a guarantee. Uh, even if the queer community generally is more progressive, they're just people like everyone else and there's varieties. Um, so having this um, queer Sami community gives mm-hmm. a different feeling of safety, um, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. But how is it then, or how has it sort of impacted your let's say identity formation here in your in your early adulthood you said that you sort of you know encountered the fact that you could be trans in in your early 20s now uh you're in your later 20s and sort of you saying that you belong to these two minorities that you're you're two or you're more queer when you're sami but you're you're sort of less queer when you're in the queer community like how is that for you to navigate and how has it had an impact on on your identity formation or kind of like your you know your transition into who you are today um um, that's a little bit uh, a little bit of a different question Um, i understand i um i kind of feel like i have to be careful Mm. about showing too much of my identity uh, mm-hmm. depending on where I am right I am lucky in the sense that or lucky and you you could call it that mm-hmm. I'm lucky in the sense that 
um, I am not very visible in, in any of my minorities. Um, my last name uh, is very Norwegian, so yeah. I don't immediately face uh, racism in society in general because, um, you know, I, I look like any other Norwegian person. Um, mm. So uh, unless I actively tell people that I'm Sami, I don't have any issues with that at all. Um, other than, you know, having to hear some jokes here and there, but mm. can just brush that off. Um, and same with being transgender. Um, that's, I'm not keeping it a secret. Uh, I have a blog just talking about being transgender uh, and people find it if they Google my name. But generally, when I'm out there, I don't tell people that I'm transgender unless it's relevant. So I think I avoid a lot of issues um, mm -hmm. because of that. But it also, it becomes this balance mm -hmm. where I have to always think about how much I can tell about myself and how much of myself I can show being yeah. around others. Um, so I don't really have a lot of spaces where I feel like I can completely be myself. Mm -hmm. uh, I, I don't know if my sense of identity would be different if I had that space, mm -hmm. um, but that's definitely something I feel like I'm missing yeah. to some degree today. And that's why um, the queer Sami community is very important to me. Yeah, gives you that like a freer space or a lighter space where you can be living. Yeah, exactly. And I'm not saying that queer Sami people is this one group that is always that always agrees on everything, mm -hmm. but mm -hmm. we have this other sense of understanding towards each other, um, which is difficult to find anywhere else. Yeah, can imagine. You're saying that you know there's a very fine balance of 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 when and 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 when and where you can can kind of share who you are and how much you can share, and how is like how does that affect your sort of your your day to day life um, in terms of sort of having this calculation going on? Obviously, you don't encounter new people necessarily every day, but I can just imagine that that there's a lot of sort of safety calculation perhaps going on yes um, definitely i um i would say that when i go out there in the world mm. i wear the mask that is going to make me blend in the most um just because i don't want to have to deal with anything um right and i don't really take that off until i get more comfortable with people and okay. um, sometimes when i have taken off that mask i've come to regret it later Okay. So there is definitely always this safety calculation going on. And, uh, and uh, I really respect people who are really out there and open about mm -hmm. their identity at all times. Um, I personally don't have the energy to, to always deal with that. So I, um, I think I suppress a lot more than I wish I would have to. So... So are you comfortable then with, obviously I, I, I understand um, that you are, that you're doing it for, you know, also for your safety reasons and, and, and feeling that you can kind of just be, uh, but are you comfortable with, with the fact that you kind of have to sort of 
go through this transition when you leave your house or when you go into a different group scenario or I wish I didn't have yeah. to um, but it's sort of I, I think I do it just automatically now I don't right. really think about it much anymore mm. uh, so it doesn't really have a big impact on my life mm. I've just gotten used to it but when I think about it I wish it wasn't like that yeah uh, I wish I, there was more room to to be me without having to face negative consequences for it absolutely do you then encounter assumptions or biases of being both sami and queer yes i do um but it's more in the sense that people don't really ex uh, they don't really think sami people can be queer <laughs> that's yeah. i think that's where the assumption is um like i said before the stereotypical sami person is quite mm -hmm masculine while um, the stereotypical queer person is a little bit more feminine mm -hmm. so i think people often think that you can't be both um, right. also because of lack of representation um, sami people think that being queer is just this western thing uh, right. so, and both of these assumptions are obviously wrong mm -hmm. <laughs> Um, but I think that's that's what I face the most. Um, right. Do you fa face any particular ones for, from people who who are not Sami, for people who are not in, from from people who are not indigenous, like being both transgender and belonging to uh, an indigenous peoples be, that being Sami. Um, I think generally from people who aren't Sami, it's mm -hmm. the thing that I mentioned that people don't think Sami people can be queer. Uh, mm -hmm. That applies both for Sami people and for non-Sami people. Right. Um, I, I don't really face a lot of assumptions other than that mm -hmm. from being both Sami and transgender. Uh, mm -hmm. I definitely face assumptions on each of those identities individually. Mm -hmm. uh, they have their own assumptions attached to them. Mm -hmm. But mostly I would say that the intersection is that people can't be both. Okay, because there's this mismatch between how masculinity can sort of function with femininity. Yeah, I assume. Yeah. yeah. So I think about it at least. Yeah. You said that you do experience sort of assumptions or biases from being Sami uh, specifically and from being transgender specifically. Uh, would you be comfortable about sharing some of those? Yeah, yeah, uh, definitely. Um, well, uh, the majority uh, mm -hmm. of society, they their image of a minority is often what they see in the media. Um, right. And uh, well, at least in Norway, um, when Sami people are visible in media, it's often in regards to um, being against uh, building windmills. And, and those kinds of industries um, because it affects your herding grounds right and the migration yeah. grounds of the reindeer and generally it's um it uh, destroys a lot of nature that is important mm -hmm. to our culture mm -hmm. and um, i think when i talk about being sami people often jump to that immediately um, right. while i don't really have a lot of strong political opinions in mm -hmm. that field uh, either way um 
so uh, and that also applies to being transgender um, mm -hmm. because people see these these discussions about bathrooms and uh, and yeah and uh, the Olympics and being mm -hmm. able to be an athlete as a transgender person and whenever I tell someone I'm transgender for the first time I'm always worried that they're going straight into those topics because I've had that happen quite a lot okay that people assume that just because I'm transgender I have strong opinions about um about you know bathrooms and uh mm -hmm. and and they assume that I want to discuss those things okay so, so it's become I like really a quiz think. of political opinions stands views yeah so they assume that just because i belong to this minority that i have really strong political opinions and that i want to discuss them with just about everyone mm -hmm. which i really really don't i uh, i really don't like political discussions yeah <laughs> so uh and i have that happen a lot uh people just kind of oh so you're transgender so uh what do you think about this uh whatever and then they start having this discussion uh, so, uh, as uh, I mean, lately I've just learned to disengage immediately. But mm -hmm. earlier, when I was recently, when I had recently come out, I felt a strong need to to have an opinion because right. I felt like it was expected of me. Um, yeah. So, and I and I, I think a lot of queer people might feel that way uh, mm -hmm. that they are expected to defend uh, being queer and if or teach people about whatever and um yeah it's uh yeah sorry i feel like i uh, went on a little tangent there but no no but because i was now thinking of like how then people can show allyship to, to to sami people but also sami queer people you know and in, in perhaps not expecting that you know that every time they hear oh Livy, uh he is transgender he is Sami, he must have this, this, you know, opinion. This is what we need to focus on. How can, do you have any insights or opinions about how people can, can perhaps give you the space that, that you want to take? Perhaps as we're now doing, sharing more of a personal experience, not so much about political stances, but more of, of creating a visibility of, of different perspectives. I think um, if someone wants to be a good ally uh, mm -hmm. for Sami and transgender people, um, I feel like the most important thing, or at least for me, is um, not expecting me to teach you everything. Um, yeah. I often get that people are curious and everyone's allowed to be curious. Uh, but just because you belong to a minority, it's not your responsibility to teach everyone mm -hmm. about everything. And mm -hmm. a lot of information is easily available online. So mm -hmm. um, if you want to ask someone questions about belonging to a minority, um, mm -hmm. you can always ask, you know, what is this experience like for you? Exactly. Uh, and I feel like that is, that's, uh, you know, a generally okay thing to do you know um but asking what is this concept in general mm -hmm. you can easily google it um i mean it's a lot of uh, work to teach people 
about being Sami and being transgender and any minority. You, you can just mm-hmm. feel like it's um, and often when you belong to a minority, you have to do it many times right. uh, and have the same talk over and over and over because everyone is curious and everyone asks the same questions. Um, yeah. So you feel the full weight of that responsibility in a way or like this assumption of responsibility that because you are who you are you are then expected to to you know go in front and then also be the teacher about everything exactly um so i would just say to anyone who is curious Mm -hmm. about minority um do a little bit of research first Uh, Mm -hmm. google the easiest things online Mm-hmm. And then ask the person about personal experiences mm-hmm. because that's that's different, uh, in my opinion. Yeah. And in, then, in, in order to sort of show allyship or expand uh, people's understanding in general about sort of these gender concepts, we've talked a little bit about sort of the Western perceptions and, and how it differs in Sami culture. Um, do you have any sort of thoughts on on how we can move forward more or how we can push for more of a of a decolonization of these then gender concepts we can say that for example you know you sami people have started to, to translating the rainbow dictionary uh into a language uh that reflects them and their culture do you have any sort of additional thoughts or or perspectives on sort of this topic and this clash um i I'm going to be completely honest. Uh, mm-hmm. I've heard people mentioning decolonizing gender before. Mm-hmm. Uh, I never really understood what that means. Uh, mm-hmm. Maybe because I haven't had so many difficulties with uh, gender mm-hmm. in regards of being Sami. Uh, mm-hmm. So um, it might I'm, be different from 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 person to person, from culture to culture, because. Obviously, uh, indigenous peoples are this overarching concept of a peoples, but in you are many, many different communities, you're many different nations, you're many different peoples. So also experiencing different things and perhaps a different need to, to yeah. find expression and, and things like that. Yeah, probably. Um, it's like you say, everyone has a different experience mm-hmm. personally, um, gender. Uh, as in, uh, you know, gender roles and mm-hmm. the social construct part of it mm-hmm. has never really been an issue for me. No. Um, I mean, it's it was difficult not having uh, the correct language in right. Sami. Um, but other than that, I haven't really had any any difficulties with uh, gender. No. Uh, so I, I might not be the right person to answer that question. That's um, completely fair. I feel like if someone had first-hand experiences with having these difficulties, they would probably mm-hmm. uh, answer answer it better than I could. But I'm very happy that you haven't felt, obviously you've gone through a lot of other struggles, but that you haven't felt, felt this. Uh, um, and yeah, finally, I would just ask you, Livy, if, if there's other perspectives that you want to share that I haven't asked you about in particular. Um, Mm, not that I can think of. Yeah. Um, I think maybe uh, the key takeaway uh, from mm-hmm. 
everything I want to say is um, is uh, you know there there are challenges with intersectionality. Mm-hmm. Any intersectionality. Uh, mm-hmm. I have friends who have um, oh, what's the English word for it? Who have um, functional disabilities. Okay. Um, yeah. And they have a lot of the same experiences that I do, being mm-hmm. Sami and uh, having disabilities. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we can, you know, draw a lot of parallels, even if we have completely different experiences. Um, so I think a lot of the things that I've talked about are are n- normal in many intersectionalities. Yeah. So it's about also sort of the beauty of finding community and and finding sort of. Um, commonness or like a common stance between belonging to different let's say minorities or different oppressive systems uh, you know being uh, having physical disabilities are also very difficult and oppressed in many in many cultures in many countries so yeah I think we we all have the, um, the experience of being a minority within mm-hmm. a minority mm-hmm. Even if we don't have the same experiences, we can use the same language and understand each other exactly. in a different way than yeah. the majority in the minority. Yeah, so the community really just does expand, you know. So, so you don't just perhaps find community in in the queer Sami community, but you can find community in in Sami and and physical disability or another minority within. Yeah. Uh, yeah. People with disabilities in the queer community. And mm-hmm. It's generally just take two minorities and put them together, and you know they're going to have some of the same mm-hmm. uh, same experiences yeah. because they belong to two minorities. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you so much for sharing, Livy. I really appreciate you being here, and I found it really ex- exciting to hear about and, and, and very informative to also hear about your personal story. Uh, so I want you to thank you to take it for taking your time to, to be here. Thank you for having me. Uh, thank you. I'm glad you're interested in, uh, in my perspective. For more on the rights of indigenous peoples, visit cs.org and follow Cultural Survival on Facebook and Twitter.